Whether it's for work or play, we rely on home internet so much these days. Being connected and staying connected has never been more important. So if you want reliable internet bought you at speed, switch to Aussie Broadband. It only takes a few minutes to sign up and their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Find out more at aussiebroadband.com.au. T's and C's apply. G'day guys, welcome back to the Dylan Friends Podcast. This week, an old favourite. Going back to episode three, my good mate, Brett. Now, Brett and I have had a big feud since that episode, and uh, with thanks to you guys, you've never let him forget me taking him to the square. I know a lot of you are over this story, but I think this is the last time we can put it to bed nice and early, and then we can move on and finally get on with our lives and stop living in the past. And stop living in the past, because it's embarrassing. People don't forget. We also recap Brett's amazing career, how he all finished up at the Giants and what he'd say to his younger self. We talk about his transition out of footy into coaching, which was unfortunately shut down by COVID, but now has moved into the management game, which I'm sure he's killing it with at Max Sports. Brett and I also get a little bit technical. We talk about the AFL season to date, what's been happening, and also give some predictions for what's going to happen at the end of the year. Thanks again for tuning in. And don't forget, if you enjoy the show or love the podcast, please, it would be amazing if you could subscribe, leave a review, or maybe even just give it five stars. That'd be great. Um, that would be really good, actually. And uh, we'd re- really appreciate that. So thank you. Enjoy. Let's go. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Strap yourselves in for some light-hearted and wholesome fun. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Brett Delidio. Oh, gee whiz, mate. It's, uh, it's been a long time in the making, this one. As we said uh, off-air... Episode three of the Dylan Friends podcast, you were on and you starred and, um, geez, we really set some uh, household names alight back then. There's some real uh, folklore that's been bought from that episode, but um, it's an absolute pleasure to, to catch up with you, mate, and get you back on. Nah, thank you, mate. I, uh, I, I did want to check out just having a bit of a do-over. I thought... Uh, you know, it was obviously one of your first goes, and uh, it was one of my first podcasts as well, mate. So I was a bit nervous, and you know, I had a real expectation uh, on my shoulders to be funny, um, and it's, that's your strong suit, not usually mine. But um, yeah. mate, uh, rap to be back on, and really keen just to uh, to chew the fat for the next short while. I'm a bit nervous because I know um, from chatting since then, sixty, you're the sixty-first episode now, so. There's been a few episodes since, but um, I know that you, you weren't happy with a few things that were said on that show, and I know that it's, it's changed no, it's, the course of your listen, life to this day. It's not you, it's everyone else that listens to your show, mate, and there's so many of them. I didn't, when I first jumped on, I didn't realise how big you were going to get. You, you're going global, and, mate, I've got people coming up to me in the supermarket when I'm scanning items saying, mate, remember when Dill Buckley took you to the square? And it's just like, jog on, pal, I don't need that from you. <laughs> oh well, they're not lying because we have some very good fans here. But um, mate, let's just hit that on the head now yeah. because look, we said we weren't going to bring it up. We're going to bring it up because people have actually messaged me, being mate. They say, "Deal, if you bring up the time you took Brett Deludio to the square one more time, I'm going to tune out of the podcast." So I think let's just put it to yeah. bed today. Um, this is the last time we'll come. Uh, it'll it'll come up because there's a little backstory to this as well, which actually is very special. But something that scared the shit out of me was when you were retiring. Yeah. 
you you got up and made your speech, which is it's actually always, in all seriousness, it's always an honour to be in the room when someone retires from footy because it's a very very special time. It's always very emotional, um, and it's it's very, you know if someone like yourself without without pumping yourself up too much because we'll do that today. But you had a tremendous career, Thank you, mate. and you're doing this incredible speech, and um, you know everyone's getting very emotional. Beautiful speech, and then you get to the end of the speech, and you said now. There's something that's been going on in my career and I want to put a few rumours to bed. And everyone's like, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? Like, have they sacked him? Or is there something like really weird going on behind the tables? Um, I don't know what's going on here. And it was a little bit of controversy. But, mate, take over because um, it was probably the highlight of my career from there. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to put to bed, mate, and uh, just right a few wrongs and a few mistruths that were being promoted. Um it just I think I went along the lines of uh, around 15, 2015 uh, and read out your stat, stat line, which is, uh, wasn't too bad, but it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't noteworthy. And then my stat line and just at the end of it, I had the kicker just pulled out of my pocket, mate, just a little watch and I brought it with me today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. The Tissot. Yeah. The Tissot that you won just that so you night have a good on look me. At it, well mate. done. Yeah, that's just a... Thanks, Duck. The Duck gave me that one, mate. Yeah, for, there you go. Uh, anyway, I saw someone tweeting me the other day saying, uh, Swampy, can you can you uh, find out the stats for Dill Buckley v. Brett Delidio in that, uh, that game so we can put it all to bed? But, um, yeah, mate, that was a good day. You, you no, actually took done. a great mark that night. I did, I did. I can't remember that. I've, I've forgotten. But we'll get it up for everyone yeah, that's uh, watching. Plenty of good marks in the career. Um, also, mate, a, another episode that I know you'd be you'd be big on is um, Aaron Finch. We had the big Finchmeister on, who's yeah. a good friend of yours. Yeah. And if anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, um, I asked Finchie, uh, because he played a lot of cricket with yourself and Mark Murphy, obviously knows a lot of players that have played cricket and gone on to play AFL. I said to him, Finchie, my man, best player that has gone on to play AFL, and that could get a game for Australia out of Mark Murphy and yourself were the two there. I said, who's the best you've seen? And again, I don't like to pump me up too much, but he said, mate, Brett DeLidio takes a cake. Yeah, well, that's that's very nice of Aaron. I uh, I didn't pay him, so <laughs> don't worry. I haven't spoken to him that recently, but uh, very nice of him. I did have a listen to that one, mate, just to check that you weren't just telling me porky pies, but uh, I kind of wish sometimes that I did take up... Uh, cricket you know especially after some stinkers um i reckon my calves could have survived for a bit longer mate if i had of uh, taken up cricket not as many k's in the legs mate speaking of calves and this isn't even a joke this is actually serious i wasn't going to bring it up but i messaged you last week to come on the podcast i went on a run so i messaged you on sunday to come on the podcast i ran on a run on monday did my calf as soon as i got off the phone to what? you now, if you're telling me that that's got something to do with you, you've, that is actually true. There's there's something there that's me and you together. Um, when we talk, we can't be hanging out because calves just pop. <laughs> it's it's miserable. And actually, Grigger just texted me yesterday. He's popped his as well. So, mate, anyone who uh, makes contact with me, don't go for a run in the next couple of days. Just give it a few um, and yeah, look after yourselves. But, uh, mate... We've had, we've had some calf injuries between us and we shared a lot of stories. I tried to convince you to get on the career savers, but um, <laughs> Matty Rowe, mate, he's no worries. He's never pop a calf with those uh, big chunks that he's wearing. So good luck to him. <laughs> he's a superstar, Matty Rowe. Um, mate, plenty has been happening. As we said, first, uh, you were my third guest on the show, but so much happened since then. Um, that was midway through 2018. So obviously we still had a year and a half there together. How do you look back now? Have you had time to sort of reflect on the end of the career, I suppose, and your career in general, because it was, was absolutely astounding, but um, you know, it didn't end the way you wanted with injury and, and whatnot. 
Have you had time to look back on it now and sort of reflect on, on the last few years and your career as a whole? What, what's sort of been going through your head in the last sort of six months, nine months? Uh, well, it, it's probably difficult to, to answer that considering the, uh, the lockdown and everything that we've been in, mate. It's sort of part mm. of me is like, do I, do I miss footy? Yeah, 100% I miss it. But do I, would I like to be away from my girls um, up in the hub? For twelve, I was you know, talking to one of the boys yesterday. Twelve weeks they've been haven't seen their kids for, so yeah, tough. Um, but yeah, just the way it finished, mate. I always thought uh, when I had that run of like seven or eight years of in a row, hardly missed a game or didn't miss a game. Then I said, I said to my old man, I'll play, you know, till I'm thirty-five, and then I'll just be, I'll be about done by then, you know, I'll be um, fully cooked. But uh, yeah, mate, before you know it, yeah, um, spending. Uh, umpteen days in, in rehab and trying to get your body right after never having an issue it's, I used to bag the blokes who had calf issues I just say mate my, leg, my calves are too skinny it's just bone if I ever have anything it'd be like uh, it'd be a broken leg it won't be a calf issue a muscle that's gone wrong because it, there's no muscle there to actually hurt um, and you've seen how skinny my little calves are but um, it's um, yeah it's disappointing that it ended the way it did because i still felt uh up here that i was i was still no worries in certain like mentally i was willing to put the work in but my body just let me down mate and it was just a chance that um you know it's it's just disappointing that uh, you didn't get to play as long as what you thought you could but um i've come out and i'm still healthy now mate and, and i've got plenty of life left um I haven't ruled out playing footy again at some level, I've had a few offers from a few mates around the uh, around the state, but I think, to be honest, mate, if I get a chance to play with my brother down the coast, that'll be the, the biggest thing for me. And then my brother-in-law is up the country. If I can get a chance to play with him as well, just to have a laugh, mate, and sit full forward and kick a few snags, I'll be pretty happy with that. Yeah, mate, it's, it is crazy. You look at a lot of guys now, and I don't think anyone, you know, no one really go, gets to go out on their own you know, the way they want to. I don't think, like, there's not a lot of players these days, like maybe one or two that really get to go to the end and, and do what they do. You look at, you know, someone even like Bryce Gibbs who retired yeah. recently. Um, you know, it's, you know, who would have thought that, you know, those would be the circumstances that he went out on, but in all, in all in, as well with that, you know, it could have probably been really better with getting carried off by two of his best mates. So it is, it is pretty sad, but like you said, you, you do what you do and um, mate, you just got to be proud of your career because it's, um, it's, it's a great one. Let's talk about, we did speak about this, but I think now that we're both out of the game, um, we can speak on it a little bit more freely because we're not really connected to a club. But like the toll on players in rehab, um, like the toll it can take, you know, mentally, mentally physically, yeah. emotionally, like how, how hard was that for you, man? Because like there was times there where, you know, we were going through a lot together. Obviously, it was a little bit more at stake for you because of, you know, of being you know, at the, towards more the end of your career, even though I was as well, but, um, you know, I hadn't really done what you'd done and hadn't been there and to try and play in a grand final and stuff. Like, how hard was it, man? Like, I know, you know, I'm asking this question because I know how hard it was, but for yourself to sort of talk about it now, like, what what were the hardest parts? Oh, I think, mate, just not having an answer was the hardest thing um, because you could feel so good for so long and then all of a sudden you'd just uh, get another injury. And that was the thing that just, because it come out of the blue, you couldn't really prepare for it or you get a few warning signs and you could back off a little bit and then it'd be fine. It was just like, mm. you'd, if you backed off, you'd almost increase your risk in terms of getting a, um, getting an injury. So like I, I went with the approach of, right, I've got to keep going through this to, um, you know, just to try and get some continuity. And I probably to the point where I pushed even when I was sore and I, I knew I'd already strained it, but I just kept going. And that's what even happened in that 
that final. Like, oh, I was pushing through probably a little bit of pain in the lead up just to say, well, look, it's going to be sore. Let's just keep going and um, see how far we can go. Because to be honest, mate, I, I thought, look, if I can get a game, I wasn't sure how far we'd go because the Bulldogs were red-hot favourites in that last, um, like mm. coming into that final series because they were flying. But we came out and just absolutely smacked them and I was just blown away. Like, so I was like, oh, i just got to do my part here, get through. Um, and then you probably saw me a bit of a blubbering mess at the end because I knew it was my last chance because, of, you know, a, a good calf injury and when I played on it all game, it was going to take me at least three or four weeks to get back. But um, going into that grand final, like, mate, we trained that last session and we well, did you train that last session. Yeah, I actually had a calf strain as well, but I was just, I knew that I was done, so I was just enjoying yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> But mate, we were humming around um, and just enjoying, like, I said to Leon, I said, mate, I'm actually going really well here. I feel awesome. Um, probably give me a chance. Uh, Witters is coming off having his appendix out, surely. Look at him. He, he looks <laughs> <laughs> like a set of white teeth. He's that pale. Um, Phil, obviously, under an injury cloud. Um, not that I was saying I could play full back on Jack, bugger that. But, mm. um, yeah, mate, look. I'm certainly not uh, filthy on it or anything like that, but um, it would have been nice just to get a taste. But given how the result panned out, not that uh, you think that going in, mate, um, or you know that going in, I'm uh, yeah, kind of glad I was sitting in the stands because that could have been really uh, detrimental to me, my psyche, having uh, lose, playing in the grand final but losing to your old team by 89 points. It's um, hard enough watching them do it twice, and then uh, but then to have it done to you while you're out there sort of a, a bit much if that makes sense yeah what's what's that like now like the relationship with Richmond I know that for yourself it's not I hate saying it's a sore point I hate it when it keeps getting bored up with yourself because you as a player are bigger than this whole situation it's just one little thing in your story but what's the relationship like now like is it have you come to not peace with it but like have you sort of just realized now that that's what it was um that's how it all went by um, are you sort of still connected with the footy club? Like I know, you know, you're a past player of two clubs now, but you know, would you be happy to get back down there and be a part of it all? Do you still support them? What's it? What's it like? Um, well, I'll tell you what impressed me the most was what Nathan Buckley said in his press conference the other day. Um, he's like, "Yes, I haven't won a flag. Um, yeah, I'm striving to get one, but it doesn't um, complete me, so to speak, as my life's very full." Mm. And that's how I feel as well. You know, like I. I pursued it as hard as I could, uh, gave everything to try and get myself a chance um, in terms of like trying to win a flag. Mate, if I, no one knew that uh, that's where the Tigers were going. Uh, you know, I, I worked my ass off to try and get us to that point and whatever happened, I changed because I was tired of where the, I saw the place being at and um, they turned it around. Well done. That's fantastic. Very happy for all my mates and everyone that's been able to achieve what they did there. But mate, I it doesn't define who I am or the career that I had. Um, mm. A lot of people say, oh, I had someone tweet me the other day, is he the most unlucky person? In this? So, from what? Mate, I still played 275 and um, yeah. <laughs> had, I've got everything that I've got now because of uh, what footy gave to me. Um, and I'm very appreciative of that. I, I, yeah, a premiership, you have to be so lucky to win one. Like, it takes a lot of hard work, but a lot of luck has to go your way as well. And I, I tried to load the dice um, by coming to the Giants because I thought that they were the, the next best thing um, at the end of 16. Obviously, they just lost that prelim. A lot of things didn't go our way. Couldn't keep all the players on the park. Um, I couldn't even get on the park. And yeah, mate, it was... Oh, it just It is what it is. Like, we had a real shot at it. We were actually going pretty well against the Tigers in 17. 
Um, then obviously a bit of controversy with our best player at the time <laughs> couldn't complete the game being knocked out and um, we and we ended up going down by like 30 points but we were level um, halfway through the third so it wasn't like we were blown out of the water but to answer your question mate I'm completely fine with it I love this I still love the Tigers I love that place love what they gave me um, love the people that I've met there the people that I still know that are there and I, yeah, hundred percent. I'll go back and watch when um, when we're allowed to go. If we are, um, I'm a life, life member there, mate. So I'll be um, taking my girls and uh, my family, and we'll, we'll see uh, see where it goes from there, mate. But I'm certainly not bitter by any stretch. No, I, I did. I know you weren't, mate. But it's just I think it's a good to touch on because your mindset there is it's unreal and it's very. Uh, I, I did see what Nathan Buckley said the other day. Um, we had Ben Crow on not long ago, who's who's got an incredible mindset and those sort of things. Because it's it's without making this about me, because it's not at all. But if I look at my career now, you know, a lot of people when they talk to me about it, I, I already feel like they think that I'd be disappointed. But like I'm nothing but proud. Like you, you, when you leave everything out there, man, you just give it a crack and yeah. you get to where you are now. You're just proud of your journey and like even if you did stuff up and you wish you could do things different. All you got to do is learn from it, and like you wouldn't be where you are now unless you did those things. 100%. So, if people said to me like, "Could I have tried harder?" Fucking oath, I probably could have tried harder. But like, I, I know that now, so now I'm going to try harder and things that I'm doing now. And you know, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing now if I if I didn't you know stuff up when I was playing footy. But um, it probably leads into the next question because you know you probably did answer it there. But what would be something you know? I always see like the AFLPA do these these sort of articles on like, what would you tell your younger self? Um, you know, at the start of your career, do you have anything that sticks out you, that you tell yourself, you know, not maybe as a younger player, but even just throughout it, what's something you learn? you look back now and think, fuck, why did I worry about that? Oh, mate, geez, I worried about a lot. Um, I, I was a real stressor going into games. Was, I've had people ask me quite a bit about the, the number one draft pick expectation and, um, and how that plays on your mind. And I, at the time, I always answered it, and I still answer it like, I never really worried about it, and I, I probably didn't, but I knew that there was a, an air of expectation for me to perform and to try and be the best player for the Tides, um, and that weighed heavily on me when I didn't, and so I'd worry about that a heap. So I'd probably say, look, don't don't stress about that, um, and just concentrate on what your coach wants from you, what your, your teammates want from you. Um, become, like, try and invest in being a better leader, um, and however that looks, like I wish I had found meditation um, a hell of a lot earlier. I didn't start meditation until 2014 because that just took me away from all those thoughts of like I'm, uh, I'm worrying about what Damien Barrett or Mike Sheen's going to write about me before I've even mm-hmm. played the game. And um, that's not, I've, I haven't got any, um, I do with Mike, but not with Damo. Like I actually get along pretty well with him, but Mike Sheen, um <laughs> He's um, he wrote me off once. <laughs> hasn't put me in his top fifty ever, so I've got, I'm holding a grudge. Um, yeah, me, me too. Yeah, well, you understand my my pain. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, I uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing would be, mate, just take your breaks when you get your chance because we were we were shit for a long period of time. So I I thought the only way for me to get back or for us to be better was for me to train harder. And I I basically finished playing. Um, the finish the season so you'd have your, your end of season Matt Monday and your, your beers with the boys for the week and whatever else and my brother was still playing country footy in finals so I'd go back up there and start training with him and um, saying well this is an extra session that I might get so I'd be flogging myself and I did that for years on end because we weren't playing finals so we'd finish that early we'd be 
I remember going for a run around the town with Chrissy Newman. Uh, the like our first run was still like preliminary final weekend, so we're hearing the cheer of the mm. crowd at the G, and knew he's just like, "How depressing is this? Like, this is what we've got to be getting better yeah. at." So. I'd say just take your rest and I think that would ultimately probably help my um, calves a little bit more because I think it's just overload with uh, with what's ended up happening. But um, yeah, that probably two things there, mate. I'm not, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm certainly not bitter by it by any stretch, mate. I just, you know, lessons learned, isn't it? As you said before. It is, mate. And I think that just talking about that pre-season thing there, I honestly reckon they say, you know, early days, 100%, I do agree with the big pre-season because you've got to get the, you know, the runs in your belt and, and, and really sort of, you know, learn how to get fitness and, and get a, through a big, you know, channel of work. But later on in your career, I seriously think after the age of 25, if you've played consistent footy, you should not be doing anything really big before Christmas because every year I look at, you know, when I'd come back in incredible condition, I just break down. Yeah. As soon as I got to like after January, I was just cooked. And I got to the year and then you get halfway through and you're like, mate, I'm already over it. Like blokes need a, I seriously think there's a place. And I think that now COVID's happening. Um, you know, I think that that's going to be a bit of a blessing for a lot of guys that are going to realise now, like you don't have to be flying in January. You need to just be hitting the peak at the right time. And that's, is that round, you know, round one or even if it's, you know, round sort of later in the year, you'd rather be flying in the second half of the year than the first half of the year. That's for sure. I wish I... I wish I knew that. And Chris Jard always said, um, and it only really made me, you know, take note of this at the end of my career as well, but he said, you'd rather play the fir- um, the last five games than the first five games. And I've never seen a truer statement because you don't sign contracts in the first five games and the, the last five games of the year are normally finals and premierships. So um, if you can be peaking, it's definitely coming into peaking at the end of the year. But I don't think coaches understand, or they, they understand it, but they, they wind you up uh, <laughs> to be absolutely flying for the first NAB Cup game. Oh, geez, it's on. You've got to get yourself ready to go and you've got to be flying because there's spots and yeah. if you're not playing that NAB Cup game, who knows where that puts you when the games come around. And you're sort of like, yeah, I wish I wish I had Dusty's confidence and just be like, wait, I've got a break. I'm going to enjoy my break and then I'm going to come back and I'll work my backside off. And I'll, he goes, oh, no, I'll be playing round one. They're not going to not play me. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I always thought that, because I wasn't a blessed runner, so like I had to work my backside off to uh, to actually like be somewhere near the front. So that's why I had to come back in such like, not good, real good shape, but good enough shape that I'd be somewhere near the front. Because I didn't want to be embarrassed by some young punk coming through and saying, "Well, she's look at Lids. He's not doing, hasn't done the work." Um, but yeah, anyway, mate, it's uh, water on the bridge. I certainly haven't been for any runs lately. I'll give you the hot tip. Yeah, as I said, I went for one yesterday, pinged a calf, and uh, uh, I won't be doing any rehab programs, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> one thing, I, yeah, seriously. One thing I loved what you said before, and this is genuinely just bringing this up randomly because I had a chat to a mate about this yesterday, but you're talking about like taking a break and like taking, you know, there's that mindset of when you're in footy, and I think that I've even put this more into my life now, but it's like you always feel like you have to be this new sort of wave of like hustle, hustle, hustle. Like you have to, you just can't stop working. To, if you want to like succeed at something, you just can't stop. You just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. I had a chat with my mate last week and he's like, mate, like I was, you know, I get in these zones where I just like can't stop doing things. Like I'll be, you know, sending emails at like 10 p.m. and wake up early, try and do something. But then you just crash. And like you have those weeks where you're just like so like cooked that you just can't even move. And I've realised now that I wish I did this in footy was the same thing. Is like, you got to like hundred. You've got to work hard. Like you got to work the hardest you can. But when you've got that good base of work, you actually just need to like take time out to enjoy it. And that's what I did like last week. I like just took the week off. The sun actually came out in Melbourne. <laughs> like I was sitting outside, 
and like was just genuinely enjoying it. And I was just like, fuck, this is actually, you know, I'm not saying I don't fucking know anything about life, to be honest. I'm just learning as I go. But I think to, to think that you can just hustle, hustle, hustle and, and never take a break and that old sort of mindset of like work hard until you can't. Like you've got to have days where you actually just sit back and just enjoy it, smell the roses for you, man, like hanging out with your, miss, your missus and your family. That must be a, a huge thing now, yeah. Oh, mate, it is. And it's one of the things, the, the small things that I really enjoy is, um, and if you follow me on Instagram, my fire pits, mate, that's like a Saturday or Sunday session. Like, <laughs> it is to me. And I'm on my Pat Malone at the moment. Like, it's just, uh, the, the girls come out for one roasted marshmallow and then they're gone. They're like, Dad, no, nah, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to watch the fire with you, Dad. That's pretty boring. Like, what else? Um but mate, that to me it is that is smelling the roses, like sitting out there having a um, couple of beers by myself, and um, because of the situation we're in, like you, you're probably forced into that. But there's, you're right, mate. You, you, I used to find in pre-season, I'd take um, a, a crew of boys up to mum and dad's, and we'd bring everyone have we weren't supposed to, but we'd have dirt bikes, and there's like a crew of eight of us. We'd all take the dirt bikes up there and uh, and ride all day Saturday. Uh, back to mum and dad's by about five or six o'clock and then just drink beers until the pub closed in Kai. Knew it never going to be in trouble because kn- you know everyone up there. Um, but then, you know, up first thing Sunday, back to Melbourne and then into training. It just broke up pre-season training so well. Mm. Um, and that was our little release. But I just, like, things are so precious now. And everyone's got a camera on them these days. So you, you get caught doing that sort of stuff. You're in so much trouble, but... You've got to have something um, for the young boys um, coming through now. It's just like you can't be just footy, 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 mate, or you will you'll end up hating it. And I, I went through stages where I didn't really like it. Like it was just uh, it became a real job and something you just had to grind through. And I don't I don't think it should be that. But in the same sense, if you want to be good at it, you've got to put a lot of work into it. So um, yeah, there's you just got to find that balance, don't you? And that's what everyone talks about now. Oh, mate, 100%. And that's actually something that I was going to ask about later because it sort of hit me this week. And you talk about having beers by yourself, but I've been doing that a lot lately. And it's been a, you know, a healthy relationship. Just, you know, when you just sit back and have a few and just think about things. And like, I know a message that I always talk about because it helped me was like having a balance when I was at the Giants. Like I'd always be like doing other things and working and, and, and sort of doing things outside the club because it really helped me mentally to like escape from footy. And I was thinking about that, and I always sort of say, like, you know, you got to, you know, you got to have something outside of footy to, you know, all my guys that that play. And if I'm trying to help them out, they ask for advice. But I also look at that now, and I think, well, I think that some guys are so good at footy because they don't have anything else outside of footy, and like they just ch- channel all their energy into something. Like, you know, that's I, I'm not going to tell Dustin Martin or Patrick Dangerfield to go get a part-time job because realistically, they're probably are the best players in the competition because they don't have that balance like they are just a hundred percent into it now that's not saying they don't need a release but i think that i've probably just been talking about the wrong thing realistically thinking for me you know i was saying that because i was looking at a play you know transitioning outside of footy but i actually think you know and i was actually going to ask you about this looking at your career now you were one of the best players in the comp right at a certain stage do you think that if you were actually you know, doing a part-time job while you're doing that, would you have been the best player in the comp? Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I had a theory on this um, and it's since changed since I've finished. Um, I've always been of the theory that if you're going worse at footy, don't do less footy. Um, you know, like, if you, like if you, so if you're out of form, don't think that escaping and going away is going to make you any better. You need to put more time into uh, your ground ball, like just extra touch, uh, do an extra training session, 
But then when you do leave the club, leave. You know, don't be sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going away from the club, but I'm going to go and go to another gym and, and do a sauna and, and like, because that can become really taxing mentally. Um, what yeah. I wish I did do is study um, more because I had a, so you have so much downtime. And I, when I came out of footy, I was I was really stressed about um, where my like oh, I knew I wanted to go into coaching. Like as I thought that was where I was best um, prepped to go into. Obviously played for a long time and knew a lot about footy. Um, and I I love to help young kids to try and help develop them, but. In terms of qualifications in that sense, like I've done my level two and uh, I've finished the, the next coach uh, course, but uh, in terms of um, qualifications, like uh, having a teacher's um, you know, dip ed, mate, I, uh, I wish I had done that and just tick that off because even if footy had failed and coaching failed, I could always go back and become a teacher. Um, so that was one thing that I wish I had done or... You know, I, I know what a friend of ours, Tobes, is doing. Um, he's studying. Uh, is he doing marketing or something like that? Uh, uh, yeah, something like that. Not sure. A business. I, I think he's, he's doing, doing a business it. degree. But uh, he, yeah. he's like just ticking away at it, you know. And I know Phil was the same, mate. He just loves to tick away at that sort of stuff. Uh, Dave Asprey, who I used to play with at the Tigers, exactly the same. Dill Grimes was trying to become a pilot. Um, now running his own winery. And that's something that he loves, just away. You know, he goes and sits on the tractor the day of the game just because it takes his mind away from where he's going to play. But um, to get back to your point, yeah, look, I'm, I wish I had to just chipped away at it. And I, but I, I 100% still think that if I didn't just focus completely on footy, then I wouldn't have been the player that I was um, training and playing-wise. I, I, I was a footy head, mate. I just I loved it and wanted to get absolutely everything out of it um, for as long as I could until I... Uh, got told to retire. Thousands of Aussies trust Aussie broadband to keep them connected to the world, even when they're on the go. Because as well as reliable home internet, Aussie broadband also offers flexible mobile plans with super generous data allowances and no locking contracts. Their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help you make the switch. It only takes a few minutes. Aussie broadband, the actual Aussie way. Search Aussie broadband mobile to find out more. T's and C's apply. Mate, when we had on the show last time, the, you're still on the list. We're both on the list, so we couldn't talk too much about uh, you know other other funny things that may have happened in our life. Now this isn't a setup. I don't have anything here, okay. but I was wondering if there's anything you want to come clean on now. Um, you know that that you're a retired superstar. You can you can say what you like. Um, is there any is there any funny stories? I know you've got some big sprays um, from your Richard's days that I'd love to hear about. Um, but anything else that's maybe happened that you could, you could throw some boys under the bus, um, um funny stories about your Richmond days, early days. Did you get some sprays, Zach Dawson, uh, sort of, sort of sprays. He, he went to the beach at 6am, anything like that? Uh, well, I never caused the group to go to, um, any like early rises or anything like that. The, the club, the group was never punished because of me stuffing up. So, I got a very good bit of advice from, from dad when I got drafted. He said, don't do anything that'll embarrass your mother. And I lived by that throughout my whole career. So I was never going to be caught in an alleyway, um, you know, doing the wrong thing or um, intoxicated and locked up or anything like that, which is all too common these days. Um, but <laughs> I... Um, Any kebabs? <laughs> no kebabs and no strip joints, mate. No, I, was, no. uh, I was a bit smarter than that. But... Um, Oh, mate, I've had a few different, like a couple of good sprays. Um, Plough gaming, well, I don't know whether you were, you remember um, the record score that was kicked against us at half time, Geelong v Richmond. It was the start of the, the yes. Geelong era. 
Anyway, we planned. That was when that was when Cameron Ling took you to the square. He, he did literally. It was one time <laughs> I got taken to the square. Um, so we're twice. Yeah, once. Um, I'll just um, we um, he. We were down by 20 goals to two or something at half time. I think it was something like that. Something ridiculous. Uh, down by 120 points or something. And I've come off in the third quarter. Not come off. I've been dragged. Um, back in the days when you got dragged, there wasn't rotations anymore. It was just like, right, I get on the phone. Yeah, mate, what do you got for me? He goes, this is Plough. Just sit there, mate. I can't hide you anywhere. So just sit on the bench. I was just like, oh, fucking hell. Just sit there, mate. I was just like, oh. I was sort of watching anyone come back on. Am I a chance here? No. All right, I'll just keep sitting. I eventually got back on, but, geez, that was deflating. Same venue a couple of years later, uh, or about eight years later. Got tagged by a young kid from North Melbourne, um, Hine, I think his last name was. Um, he did a pretty good job on me. I, I didn't have a, my best game, but uh, I certainly wasn't the worst out there. But... Um, I wore a long sleeve at Eddie Had. It was raining um, <laughs> outside. And Plough, uh, sorry, not Plough, Dimmer's given it after a game because we lost. He's like, and if you ever wear that fucking long sleeve again, you will not play for this footy club. And I was just like, <laughs> poor old long sleeve, mate. Like, what, what's it done? And a player has never worn a long sleeve again for Richmond since. Like, it, they're all petrified. Jack gets the, um, he's allowed to in pre-season because he's had skin cancer just to cover his, his pale skin, but um, no one else is allowed to wear a long sleeve, not even for training. Um, one good story, like a funny sort of story, it's not really throwing anyone under the bus. <laughs> we played St Kilda, and this is, is uh, talking about Cogs, uh, I actually spoke to Cogs about being dropped um, earlier this week, and um, I said, mate, it nearly happened to me back in 09. Um, we... We played the Saints and they'd beaten us like the last 10 years. We hadn't got, just hadn't got close to them. They smacked us and I got, Walker actually tore me to shreds uh, because I didn't run one way. Me and Grammy were at a, Jason Graham were at a contest and he went that way, I went that way, they won it. <laughs> so he's gone down and Wayne just tore me shreds off me. But Jade Rawlings was our caretaker coach and he's like, they, St Kilda have taken a baseball bat, lubed it up and jammed it up our ass for the last 10 years. And everyone's just like, oh. and as we're walking out, Cuzzy's like, well, at least they lubed it up. They <laughs> <laughs> could have done it without lube. That would have hurt. But uh, anyway. Looking at retirement now, so obviously retired, um, father of two. What's, we have touched on a little bit, but what are the, the main things you miss and what are the things you don't miss? I miss the, like, just the, probably the structure and the routine of my weeks, knowing what I was doing um, every week, the, the the preparation. I mean, I was huge on getting my body. Um, like I used to love going out against my opponent and saying, "Like, oh, I know I've put the work in. Have you? Let's put it to the test." You know, um, like I, I love that side of it. Um, as you've probably seen with the battling ropes photos and 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 what else, mate. You know, it's <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I didn't mind a bit of shirt off time, but. Um, I miss like uh, interstate trips. I used to really enjoy interstate trips when like, when I was at Richmond because we only did it six times a year. Like they used to be awesome. I used to love getting away. Um, I think the boys would be sick of them come now after what they they've been through the last uh, mm. eight months. But um, they, they were always good fun. What do I don't miss? Um, uh, what don't I miss? 
Well, it's just there's lots of things that meetings. Meetings used to, yeah, senseless meetings, meetings about meetings. Yeah, senseless meetings like opposition analysis meetings used to really shit me because I'd be like, we, oh, we, it was the worst. All right, boys, we're playing on Dustin Martin this week. What's he going to try and do? Be good. We we all know what he's going to do, mate. It's just, and we're not going to be able to stop it either. So what do you want to like? What what are we doing here? I, I used to have this uh, this question. Um, to our oppo analysis guy at Richmond is like, mate, we can't get our own shit sorted, yet we're concentrating on what the other clubs yeah. can. It was like, let's just do us for the week and see whether we can get that right and we'll see how that goes. But um, like if, yeah, di- like different club at Richmond, it was because uh, you're in Melbourne, you're in the bubble, people know, like they watch footy and whatever else. At the Giants, it was a bit more separated and the boys are um, a little bit more free with how much study they do on players. I think our... Brent Montgomery put up a photo of uh, Julian Wilson in the Gold, uh, Gold Coast Suns um, team lineup and said, boys, who's that bloke? And they're like, oh, geez, I don't know. It's like, uh, it's Julian Wilson. He's a pro surfer. <laughs> he's, he's on the world tour. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, well done, boys. Yeah, I know what you mean, mate. I know what you mean. It's, uh, it's funny, isn't it, walking back now and you, think, you look back at meetings and think, geez, why was I worrying about that? Um, 12 months ago I wish it was I wish it was a problem now um, but yes as we said it did come to an end and, and the transition was 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 somewhat smooth I say you said before you weren't totally prepared in, in knowing what you wanted to do and you wanted to get into coaching but you did land a role with, with Hawks yep. and with Box Hill um, obviously COVID COVID hit and, and threw that into a bit of a, a whirlwind but how was all that looking and how did it come about early days I suppose what was the role going to look like this year uh, yeah so I was um well, very thankful. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat, mate, for quite a while there, up in still living in Sydney at the time, trying to work out what we're going to do and where we're going to go. Endless phone calls to different uh, footy bosses and uh, head coaches just to see what was available and whether I could get a shot at a, an interview or um, just to you know chew the fat, really, to say, well, this is what I'd love to do. Uh, i got a real passion for it. Um, Anyway, the Hawks gave me a chance, uh, came down for an interview with them, uh, stressful. I'd never really put together a resume before and uh, have to talk purely about myself and what I could bring and whatever else, but um, yeah, it went well enough that they offered me a job, mate, which was really good, so part-time development and um, also stoppage coach for Box Hill Hawks, but a playing coach, so I wasn't 100% convinced on the playing side of things because I thought I had checked out a little bit. Um, and But I knew that it was a, a pathway, you know, just to try and get me that, uh, you know, as a senior development coach or a senior assistant or something like, along those lines. But, yeah, put in the, the work, mate, and, um, you know, coached as a, a box... Uh, sorry, a stoppage coach at Box Hill for two practice games, pretty much, and... Um, Got my started to get my head around coding and all that rubbish, but uh, yeah, mate, it's it's hard. Like it's pretty stressful the old coaching job. Like you have to put in the hours if you want to get out of it what uh, what you want and and for your players. Mate, I was huge on um, just connecting with the young boys and making them you know be the best versions of themselves. Anyway, COVID hits and um, stood down initially with uh, being told that I'd be coming back when the when the season restarted, but then. They had to cut their numbers down to just 25 because they were going to be going interstate. And they said, oh, yeah, no, you stood down for the rest of the year. And then just got the call the other day, uh, two weeks ago, I think, saying, yeah, mate, there's nothing going forward, which I already I was planning for from the first um, time I got stood down. I, uh, as soon as that happened, 
I got on the front foot with my manager and just was like, well, the next thing that aligns me with developing young players is, um, you know, is player management because like, there's no jobs mm. in footy and that, that that's, the soft cap's coming right down, so they're not going to be employing new people. I'll be just keeping on old people, reduced salaries, whatever. What's the next thing? And my the, my manager Anthony McConville, who I've been with for 17 years, Max Sports, he's like, mate, would love to have you on board. Um, and, and, and just allows me to really have you know, keep going with that passion of developing young players on the field. So I get that coaching element as well. So I'm watching vision with young players and um, just giving them tips and everything that I've learned over the years um, to add to their kit bag, but then also off field as well. Um, Cause you know, you're, you're only in it for a short amount of time. You gotta really make um, your money work for you. And uh, I've been very blessed with the people that I've met and the things that I've been able to do in that time to, Make sure that we're, we're not pandemic proof, mate, because no one really is, but um, uh, we're still, we're not living on the poverty line, that's for sure, mate, and we're all healthy, which is good. So, um, mate, I'm just trying to share that love with all the other boys that I look after and, and, and teach them a few things along the way. Yeah, mate, Max Sports, uh, one of the best in the business uh, with the Brett Delidio uh, down there. Um, what are you teaching these young boys, mate? What are the messages you're passing on? Who who do you have on your books? Who are you looking after mainly in the AFL at the moment? Well, on our um, on the like the company's books, we've got our oldest player, Dave Mundy, one of the oldest in the uh, in the. Jeez, he's a superstar. Superstar, mate, and the the fact that he's been able to do it from Frio and uh, and travel every second week, it's just got me absolutely baffled. But. Um, Mate, yeah, star big Maxi Gorn uh, at uh, at Melbourne, uh, Jaron Geary, so a couple of club captains, which is really good. Jakey Carlisle, who's at the Saints as well. Zachy Williams um, at the Giants, big Mummy. Actually, we look after big uh, big Dumford, Shane. big Shane, um, and then we've got a heap of young kids as well coming through. Um, I think we've had three or four rising stars this year, which is really good. You know, young Will Day down at the Hawks and Connor Butterick up at. Gold Coast, uh, Curtis Taylor at, at North Melbourne. Um, and we've got a couple of kids in the pipeline for this year too, mate. So, um, yeah, look out um, come draft day, mate. We, the boys tell me that's one of the most satisfying um, days when you when you see the boys realise their dream. And uh, I can only go on what I've gone through, having been having done it with Macca um, and knowing what draft day's like. But to try and walk them through it and what to expect and whatnot is... Um, problem is it's a bit different this year isn't it because of everything that's going on but in years to come it's going to be back to normal hopefully there's something that i always you know with with management i wish i did early on because it's something that i really stuffed up with and it wasn't even the the footy stuff because i think like you said a lot of players there's so you're getting messages left right and center of on field but off field i wish i was set up better with like my financials and had you know like a manager that would sort of help me out with that a bit more and i think that I look back now and a lot of guys, you know, for people wondering out there, a lot of guys when they get drafted will, you know, get their pay put into, you know, like a bank account, but they only get, you know, deposited X amount a week from their management. Um, I, I don't know why I didn't do that. And I, I'm not sure if it was even an option, but I didn't. Yep. And I wish I did because I just, my first two years, I just did not know how to, you know, I went from literally having $10 a week at school to, to earning a full-time wage. Yep. Um, you know, it wasn't something crazy, but it's just, you know, like going to an, an adult's wage when you're 18 years of age, trying to learn how to manage money. I think the first year I saved X amount. And after the second year, I looked at my bank and it was the same amount I had after my first year. So to that day, and I still get sick talking about this, I don't know what I did in that second year 
to, to literally have not made a dollar. Had a good time, probably. Um, oh, a few drink cards at CQ, but I, I must have been buying the drink cards. I'm not sure what <laughs> happened with that. I'm, I, I have no idea. They all come out with a list. He's like, you aren't on the list. Uh, <laughs> he was charging just, just me extra a, to get in. Give me a couple. Yeah. Um, no, mate, and that, that's a big thing. Because um, when I first started with Maco, I was on... Uh, I think it was about 250 bucks a week, I reckon. And Kane Pettifer and Nathan Brown, they used to say, you are the biggest tight ass, mate. I was like, mate, prepaid phones back then, was that was a big thing. Like you'd, when you're texting, uh, you know, ringing your mum and dad and, and your family and um, girls, obviously before Katie, and, um, you know, you're... You're just trying to keep in touch with people, mate. That you chew through that real quick. You, you can't wait till yeah. seven to um to call people for free every night. But um, <laughs> anyway, they they used to give it to me about it. But I, I put away a lot of money um in that first year. I was lucky that I played a lot of games as well. So you, you sort of um, I made what a first rounder now gets in his first contract. Uh, pretty much in my first, I think I started on like sixty grand or something like that in your first year. Anyway, buy and buy it. Um. We put that all together for young players now, mate. Similar sort of thing. Put a whole yeah. budget together. This is what we allow for um, putting it, um, you know, if you can play games, you can put away a certain amount, um, have your car sorted. You, this is what we put away for bills, your food for the week, and then the rest is put, put in the safe. Hopefully, by the end of your second year, you have a deposit almost for a, a little townhouse or um, or something like that. But we've got people um, aligned with our company uh, just in terms of, um, mortgage broking, um, financial services, um, accounting, all that stuff. Everything's just sorted like, um, to make sure that we're offering the best. And, and something that I had when I was going through is that you, you don't have all of it up here yourself. You've got to be able to outsource and rely on people to do their jobs. And um, that's something that we, we can offer for our boys. And yeah, you know, I just want to you make, them, make them really enjoy learning about their money, I think, and um, and and making the most of it so they don't fall on their ass, mate, um, as you see a lot of players do when they, when they come out of the game. On that, though, you just mentioned before about the, the soft cap yep. um, and with AFL. How's that going to affect it all, This you know, coming into AFL now, like with contracts and stuff? Do we know if the list size is going to be reduced? Well, we still haven't been told, mate. Yeah, no, no, no idea on that just yet, which is, I think it's frustrating, mostly for uh, footy bosses, but us as managers as well, because you could potentially lose kids off the end that... Um, or older players, um, just because they they have to reduce the amount that they're going to spend. Um, but I think in terms of new contracts at the moment, it's just written into guys' contracts. Whatever the cap is reduced to, that you'll then receive that redu- um, reduction as well. So it's yeah, it, it's part and parcel, mate. Everyone's just taking their cut. I don't think there'll be a player out there that doesn't take the cut um, that the the whole league's taking. Um, Brett, as well as a, an astonishing management crew with Max Sports, um, you're also dabbling in the media, and we're loving that. <laughs> we're loving Brett in the media. But one lesson, um, you know, I've learnt this, um, and I know you've learnt this of late, but comments can get taken out of proportion oh, very they? quickly as past players. Mm. You had a bit of an incident oh, um, not long ago. Yeah. I wouldn't even call it an incident, but you had a bit of a... What even happened with that, by the way? I didn't even hear it, but I just know that it just blew up. Yeah, well, I was asked about the Giants and how they were travelling earlier in the year. Um, and they said, well, what is it? What's what's going on? I said, well, to me, and what I've always thought it was, was that when the shit hits the fan, because these boys are so used to when they come through being the best player in their team, that they just 
up their rating, they get they do more and they end up turning the game around. The problem is when you start doing that, you're not relying on your teammate to do his job. Um, and you know it looks like you become selfish because you're, you're trying to do more yourself rather than relying on your teammate to do that. That was what, what I said. The grab was, the Lydio says Giants are selfish and uh, only want to play for themselves. <laughs> I was just like, cheers. Uh, so yeah. I've just got... Reed, Sammy Reid texts me straight away. He goes, I love the comments, but some boys probably might not be that happy with it. And I was just like, yeah. oh no. So I'm straight on the phone to Cogs. Mate, I hope that was all right. Like, you know, I love you boys. Uh, I'd never try and throw you under the bus. I know what the media's like in terms of jumping on uh, the Giants boys and, and always trying to drive the boots in. So I don't want to be that person. Um, and he's like, nah, man, I understand it. He goes, it was a shit headline. And it's, it is what it is. He said, we do play that way sometimes. And he said, we're not a selfish group. You know that. I said, mate, 100% I know that. But if, unless you pick, actually listen to the whole interview, you'd, you wouldn't know. But lesson learned, mate. Whenever the Giants come up, I'm just like, beep, beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> I pull right out. I was like, what's that kind of here? And I, you're breaking up. You're going into a tunnel. Um, we did just speak then about Cogs. It's a massive at the moment. I Honestly, can't believe this is, is is what's going on. What's what's your thoughts on it, man? What, how do you think that it should have played out? Um, I have some pretty not strong thoughts on it, but um, I think it's a definitely interesting one. Yeah, well, my thoughts are that I always, uh, well, I have been the believer that you stick by your captain regardless. I um, like he, he's a guy that's um, leading the charge for you, and if his form drops, it's probably because of everything else that's going on in his life with either the footy club or the extra weight that he's carrying in terms of mate, this extra stuff that captains have to do is ridiculous in terms of speaking for um to the media and you're the face of the club you you're caring about every single person from the oldest to the youngest on your list then you've got relationships with coaches assistant coaches coterie members uh the admin staff so you've got all this extra stuff as well as trying to play good footy now if that's um, diminishing a little bit. Uh, and by no means do I think that he was ever the worst player. He wasn't playing his footy that he was last year or the year before. That, that, let's, we're not um, saying that. But I think what I would have done, if this was me, like I would, um, and I've seen it happen in the past, is like just give him a defensive role. Like Go and say, right, Cogs, we're not getting that offensive output from you, but can you do something for us defensively um, and go and play on the weekend, go and play on Clayton Oliver and don't allow him to have... A, a, a dominant stoppage game. You know, just go and play inside, lock him down, and then you can come out off the back of that and if they're saying, oh, Stephen King, there was a bit down. No, well, actually, you don't know what he was doing for us defensively mm. and what he does there. He takes their opposition best player out. But, yeah, because he's been this offensive weapon, um, I just wonder whether uh, that he just gets ridiculed for that and we don't then get to see him apply his trade and therefore he gets... Um, Oh, mate, I've been in that position where you've been threatened with uh, being dropped and whatever else. I was lucky that I was brought back in late, so I didn't actually go through with it all. But you're just so embarrassed. Like your teammates would think, "Oh, he's our best player." Mate, I didn't have the captaincy. I was just in the leadership group, but they were going to drop me, and I was just like, I didn't want to face my teammates and whatever else. I was just couldn't believe it. But um, I'm interested in your thoughts. What do you? What's your take on it? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm pretty similar. I think that it, knowing Cogs personally and, and the type of bloke he is, he's you know one of the strongest mindsetted players, and he's just such a you know generous, um, very inspirational leader. Like he's come off a season where he hurt his knee, couldn't play in a grand final, 
signed a long-term deal and stayed loyal to the club. Um, he's coming back on, from his knee. Obviously, it's been an indifferent year. First year of captaincy with all the added pressure. Um, also got, you know, a team following him around doing documentaries um, in the Amazon series. And, and like you said, you know, they, look at all these captains from past times. You know, there hasn't been a captain drop since... Wolf, oh, I can't remember Wolf, Wolf in 98, they were saying the other day, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that, like, you just... You, I don't think you want to be the first club to like redo that, um, you know, to, to be that sort of thing. I don't Especially think a first-year captain. Like, so fair enough if it's like a, a captain who's been in it for a fair while and maybe getting a bit long in the tooth and you're sort of like, come on, mate, like we've stuck by you for a fair while. But first year, like, where do you go from there? Like, as soon as his form drops again, do you just drop him? The only thing, the only benefit I see from this is I'm so excited for him just in terms of like, Knowing him personally, knowing how strong he is mentally, how much he's going to bounce back from this, oh, yeah. and like yeah. how much it's going to be like one of the best sort of comeback stories from him. Like, you know, we'll laugh at this in in probably, you know, less than six to twelve months' time. Like, there's no way that he'll let. You know, this is going to be like actually scary. I'm actually scared for the rest of the competition now from this. That's the first thing I thought straight away. I was like, holy shit! Like, you've actually just poked the bear here. And maybe that's that. Maybe they are going to look back on this and be like, you know, it could have been the best decision ever, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, with everything that's going on, I, I didn't think it was the right call, but, you know, the proof's in the pudding. He's an absolute superstar, so mentally strong. He's a special thinker, incredible ripper, leader. Absolute ripper. Um, one of the probably, you know, the best players that I've, I've had the pleasure of playing with, and I just can't wait to see what what comes from it because um, I think, you know, looking forward, um, I think it's going to be pretty scary. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Totally agree, mate. I think he's... Uh, I said all of that on air as well just the other day. He said he's a special bloke that's... Uh, his care for blokes is something that I haven't um, seen from too many before. Uh, when I hurt my calf, um, it was like one of the last ones I did just before the finals, before I came back. Drops off a bottle of wine and just uh, doesn't knock on the door. Just He just texts and says, mate, there's something for you outside. Um, with a little note, thinking of your brother. Uh, we'll get through this together, whatever. You know, It's just little things like that, like... He never ventured into Balmain any other time. Didn't really he like. He's an East Side boy. No worries about that. But little things like that. that's why you know how much it meant yes, to him that he did that. Really, and that's why it meant so much to me as well because it it's out of his comfort zone, mate. He didn't like coming over to the Westies. He was he's an East Side boy, but um, yeah, mate. He's he's a special human that I, I've taken a lot from him. You know, from meeting him and implemented it into my day to day as well. So he'll bounce back, mate. No doubt. He's a spe- he's a he's too good a player not to. Yeah, too good a player and too good a person, mate. He's uh, he's an incredible guy, and I think uh, if anyone hasn't listened to his episode, you'll understand the way he thinks, and he's all about gratitude and giving back. And I think you know, in some way, a really weird way, I think that he's sort of planned this as a part of the journey <laughs> for him, just to like you know make the documentary the even better. better. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I just think that it's going to be going really good, um, mate. To finish up, I want to talk about just what's happening this year with the footy. Give us some tips, Brett uh, Delidio, inside knowledge here, end yeah. of the season. Have you been watching much footy? I know you're in it now, but who wins Who wins the grand final, do you reckon? Who's uh, sort of going to come close? Well, I'd actually, who I'd like to see win is actually uh, the Cats, would you believe? Um, just because I think that it'd cap off Paddy Dangerfield's career really nicely. Um, you know, and I know we probably talk about, you know, I was talking before about Nathan Buckley with his... Um, my life's empty because I haven't won a flag. And I don't think that at all about Paddy Dangerfield's career, but I just think it really cap it off. And they've been thereabouts for how many years? Like their last five or six years, they've made prelims and semis. But yeah, who I think will, I still think the Tigers, mate, to be honest. Like they're just so consistent across the board. 
the interesting thing will be is how long does Tom Lynch stay out of the team and can they go back to what they were in 17 with just Jack as that number one prong and all those little blokes around him. Um, mm. Albeit they'll probably bring in Big Marbior and play him alongside Nank and in the, in their 450 have one of those resting rucks. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. That's that's the way I think it'll go. But if the Port, if Port Power can actually continue on their role, mate, they're every chance as well. What's next, Brett? What's next for you? Um, obviously in the management game now. Yep. Um, is that is that a transition into coaching one day? Happy doing managing? What's what's next for for Brett Delidio? Mate, I actually think that I'm really happy with the management side of things. Like I'm absolutely loving it. Albeit it's been very difficult this first uh, couple of months with the COVID lockdowns and whatever else. So I'm not learning as much as what I can in terms of probably the bookkeeping side of stuff. With um, just because I've got to be taught it by. Um, Macca and, and Tommy, who I work with, Macca's son. Um, but mate, in terms of having, I'm a professional at Zooms now. Like I talk to kids um, every most days, and, and list managers, and, and recruiters, and talent managers at Waffle and Sample level. Mate, it's um, yeah, you become you become quite uh, adapted, adapt, inept, adapt. Adapted. I don't know what word that is. I've got the wrong word there. Um, (laughs) Very good at being able to talk to people and and understand what they're looking for. But also, mate, I'm just like, I'm really enjoying just talking to young boys about what they're feeling, what they're seeing, uh, what we can provide them with, um, how we can look after them. And, you know, really wanting to just go on that journey with them. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Not just them, their families as well. So their mum and dad and their brothers and sisters, because that's what. Ultimately, that's what my family's been able to do with Macca when I've been with him. So I've learned from uh, the best in that sense. And now I can implement what I loved out of my manager in terms of what I'm doing now, mate. And just loving what uh, doing it and, and wanting to learn more and more about it. Brett, you're doing a fantastic job. Um, these kids are in good hands. Can't wait to uh, to see it all come to, to fruition, mate, because it's uh, good things ahead for you. I can't thank you enough for your time, as per usual. And um, thanks again for coming on the show, mate. I can't wait to catch up for a few beers and um, hopefully around that fire will be nice very shortly. Absolute pleasure, legend. Uh, you, you know I wanted to come back on here. I, I love the Dylan friends. I love the uh, the full kit that I've got now, mate. I probably should have had it on for you today, but a beer around the fire pit, mate, when we can. Look forward to it, mate. You have your Melbournes, I'll have me goats, and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. The show is produced by Dylan Buckley and Luca Ganano. Richard Stansbury looks after the audio and editing. Samuel Kenny Creative is responsible for branding and graphic design. And the show is recorded at 3AW Studios, Collins Street, Melbourne. If you would like to contact my son, head to dylanfriends.com or look me up in the white pages and I'll pass it on. Listener.